Welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I'm uh, realizing that you and I just recorded a Patreon and I'm still like acting like I'm on camera, but this yeah, is not. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. I could do whatever I want. Yeah. Um, uh, I could get you don't have to, you don't have to of, suck like, it in anymore. Room, like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't care for that actually. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm doing fine. All right. How glad about you? to hear it. Well, well you know, little, I mean, oh, oh, yeah, I was about to say, I'll, I'll, I'll go with you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we're both a little, we're both a little sad. <laughs> we are. Yeah. This isn't just for the podcast. We are right. a little sad. Yeah. Uh, two, uh, two directors, albeit, uh, obviously one of them, uh, an actor as well, um, passed away today, uh, yesterday, I think. Right. Uh, yeah, I think I, I don't, I, I never know exactly when I know when I heard about it, uh, one okay. yesterday and one today, but I don't want to like, no, not to be insulting to the memory of one of these directors at, sure. at all, but I do want to St- say like i want to start out by acknowledging the passing of melvin van peebles who sure. i think like you know the other director is a person whose films we have liked mm-hmm. and we'll get we will talk uh, about him but i i, I want to acknowledge that melvin van peebles is uh not just a he was not just a great filmmaker he was a truly game-changing important yeah. legendary iconic filmmaker yeah he was um, a, a trailblazer yeah and um uh, a uh, a natural talent in a way that i think maybe sometimes huh, this is a actually a topic idea that you had oh, okay. uh, maybe we'll do it you just had maybe we'll do an entire episode on it but when a movie like sweet sweetback's badass song becomes so meaningful and so important and recognized as a seminal movie and as a milestone it puts some distance, I think, between just appreciating what a like grandly inspired and bizarre work of compelling filmmaking it yeah. is just just on its own. Just aside from what it represents for 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 cinema in general and black cinema in particular, it's just a wholly singular vision. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's completely uncompromising, and I and I think like that's who Melvin Van Peebles was you know he 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 made he because he wasn't just um he wasn't just a filmmaker you mentioned he was actor he was also a painter and a novelist he was yeah. um a a there's a fancy word for that um not multi-hyphenate there's like an actual fancy like uh word word for what i'm what, I, what i'm trying to describe but uh he he followed his muse he he, he made things that no one else could make. I feel like we're getting in the habit of kicking off these episodes with memorializing someone. But yeah. you know, just last week, the thing I was saying about Norm Macdonald is that he he told jokes that no one else could tell, and and right. that's something that's true of Melvin Van Peebles as uh, as well. He wasn't just a director; he was a uh, an artist with every fiber of his his being and the 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 recent restoration and re-release of uh his first film i think um the story of a three-day pass which he adapted right. from his own novel uh only deepened uh, to me just my my appreciation of 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 what he could do what he was willing to do um and and what he ended up with ended up with and how how um i think because again to repeat myself I don't want to sound like I'm saying Melvin Van Peebles was unappreciated. He probably was younger uh, in, in younger years. I think people appreciated what Melvin Van Peebles did. At least people like us, maybe they're not the yeah. industry. We're not talking about that. Um, the industry maybe didn't give him the, 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 the chances he uh, could have had, but people like us understand that he's uh, how, how crucial, how important he is. But like I was saying, sometimes that sh- that she that that veneer of importance maybe uh keeps you from just engaging one on one with uh, uh how uh immediate and electrifying his art was and i and i like i like to believe cuz i think the only film of his that i've seen is uh sweet sweetback's badass song um <clears throat> but i like to believe although i'm not 100% sure if i do um and this does go back to this, this episode idea that I, that I pitched to you earlier today. In fact, um, 
there are movies that like once you're a movie person, people say, oh, you should see this. And sometimes it's just like, you should see it, you'll like it. But other times it's, you should see it because it's so vitally important. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, you go in with with so many expectations. And I think that a, a good movie hopefully can can get past that and you can just enjoy it on its own. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. I think in the case, again, of the only film of his that I've seen, I think it does have that sense of immediacy so that if even if you know stuff going into it about, uh, you know, what it's about, but also sort of the 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 importance of it um, in in film history. My guess is once you start watching the movie, uh, that goes away and you're just pulled into what this is. Um, and one thing I wanted to mention is like if you if you pull up uh, Melvin Van, P- Van Peebles IMDb, um, you'll see. Uh, yeah, he wears a lot of hats. Uh, not only what did he edit. Uh, some of his movies he was the composer for a lot of his movies obviously he acted he produced he did all of this stuff uh in many cases i'm sure out of necessity uh but the fact that he was able to do it is is uh worth noting yeah it's uh it was uh he was i feel terrible saying this i think i i think i thought he was already gone because i know that he was uh he was very old Mm -hmm. um but uh but yeah it's it's uh never hurts to to look back on somebody and and see the the larger contribution they made but also look at just the individual films and just see what it is they they were doing um because there's not a guarantee that uh that he was sitting around being like i'm making an impact or it's normally just like well i just want to tell these stories i just want to make these movies and that's what they're that's what he's doing but i don't think i mean like uh it wasn't just like i don't think it was just i want to Make sure. I, think, I think he had like he had that artist thing of like i need to do this um and that's why he made the story of a three-day pass like any you know yeah uh by hook or by crook yeah any way he could he he got the movie made uh and then yeah we also wanted to acknowledge the passing of of director roger M- michelle who was um still i mean still fairly young or at least yeah. you know not not uh at an age you just expect someone to 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 pass away we only recently talked about changing lanes on the on the movie journal yeah um and yeah, he at, made oh, go ahead he made a number of films uh notting hill, notting hill is almost certainly his most famous and and generally mm-hmm. uh beloved film uh but he also made uh odd movies like enduring love which i think is my personal favorite because it's just kind of a there's a perverseness to that to that movie that i like uh venus is an incredibly touching yes movie yes. that that he made uh yeah he uh he made a lot of good good movies and i was always even though he always also made movies that i didn't like i was always interested yeah. to see what he was up to um and uh it's sad to have lost him so young yeah looking at his his uh, filmography here uh i haven't seen all of his movies but i've seen a good number of them and uh, I did not see Hyde Park on Hudson. I know that uh, that is not a necessarily yeah. a well-regarded movie, but I did see Morning Glory, which I would venture to say I love. Um, <clears throat> and then I really responded to Venus. I really like Changing Lanes. I really like Notting Hill. He made a, a lesser-known film called The Weekend, which is really I solid. I remember you liking that one. Uh, he, ma- he made uh, My Cousin Rachel, which I didn't necessarily love, but I think I also had a very specific idea of what it was going in. And I wonder if, if I were to watch it again, if I would like it more. Um, I feel like he's maybe a bit of a journeyman director. Um, but at the same time, like, I think the, the commonality is just a really, a real genuine interest in his characters. Uh, and even when their char- when his characters could be like, you know, creepy or reactionary or mm-hmm. uh lotharios or whatever it is like i think he always was interested in in sometimes yes condemning somebody's actions but trying to to get it at why they did what they did um so and yeah he, that's uh, an interesting director and he's got one more in in the can i think it already played some festivals i'm not sure when it's uh it had a release date and then i the publicist told me it was pushed um I don't know until when, but it's called the Duke and it stars, uh, Helen Mirren and Jim Broadbent can't go mm. wrong there. Also yeah. Matthew, Matthew good and, uh, Finn Whitehead are also in, in that movie. So, um, looking forward to, to the, the Duke It was apparently like a comedy, but based on a true story. So yeah, uh, 
All right. Well, what are we talking about today, David? That's my question to you. Well, what I want to talk to you about is, uh, oh, right. Tweaked, <laughs> <laughs> tweaked audio.com and, and, and their, uh, their, their earbuds, uh, their professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Uh, Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Uh, I was listening to a lot of stuff. Um, the past couple of weeks I've been listening to, this is like going to be, uh, uh, weird, but, um, I've for, I guess, 20 years at this point, been fascinated with listening to albums that came out on nine 11. Oh, okay. Because, um, it's, now nowadays albums come out on Fridays like movies do, so that wouldn't have happened. But albums used to come out on Tuesdays the way that like uh, do video. I don't know when video games come out, but uh, I think home video. Yeah, so those still come out on Tuesdays. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, album records and, and CDs used to have a release date. So that means a lot of albums came out on 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 nine eleven, um, including some. Uh, pretty great albums or some pretty memorable albums. So I was listening to things like, um, uh, I, I think probably the best album for me that came out on nine 11 for, for my point of view is the microphones, the glow part two, but also maybe the most famous is Jay Z's the blueprint. I listened to that, uh, today I listened to, we listened to the moldy peaches one and only album, which, uh, I, liked when it was brand new and very quickly became sick of because every one of my like hipster friend group in Chicago. And at that time was listening to the moldy peaches, uh, Bob Dylan's love and theft, uh, the follow oh, time out of mind. That's a good a really, album. Yeah. I've listened to that actually yesterday and I was like, yeah. wow, this is a, this is a good album. I don't think I really mm-hmm. gave this one uh, a shot. I also listened, Oh, Slayer had an album come out, um, on, I didn't listen to it, but, um, yeah, weird like coincidence slayer had an album come out on 9 11 that was called god hates us all <laughs> um Ooh, oh well boy. you want to really like cringe there's a the moldy peaches album has a song on it called new york city is like a graveyard um mm. so that's that was a uh, poor timing uh but the album i listened to oh also um the drive-by truckers great uh southern rock opera the uh concept double album um came out on on that day and the one i listened to today that i realized i was like that I'd never listened to before. And I, not to be mean, but I think I get why, uh, Ben folds rock in the suburbs. Hmm. I'm, uh, not a Ben folds guys. It turns out, I think I kind of knew that, but I hadn't really given him a chance. And I listened to his solo debut. The first, the first post Ben folds five album rock in the suburbs. And I was like, yeah, not, not for me. Um, but anyway, weird collection. There's more, I could go on. There's more albums that came out on, yeah. on, on nine 11. Um, that's speak to like the, that moment POD from them had an, had an album come out. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that's what I, so that's how I've been spending my, my work days the past two days doing work, catching up on work from my vacation and, uh, listening to albums that were released on nine 11 that are now 20 years old. Um, so that, uh, they all sounded great. Uh, even let's say even rock in the suburbs on a great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds that are available to low, low, pri- low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please uh, go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Okay. It's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler? Yes. Let's get into it, shall we? Okay. We're continuing our uh, recent fixation on actors. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about a, um, I think, a fairly well-tread uh, subject. Yeah, based on some cursory research that I did, it's like, oh yeah, there's a lot, there's there's a lot of people talking about this. Uh, yeah, but it's we're talking about physical 
transformations. But I think unlike you know big physical physical transformations for movies, I think unlike this this isn't this is this podcast isn't going to be a listicle, right? You, you know, like I think I more want to talk about the bigger ideas behind it and sort of like like with accents, like how I talked last week about how did Fargo kick off a new wave of like uh, where actors are expected to like learn hyper-local accents now, like, was there always a time where is it, is it a method thing? Like when, I think it's a method thing. Um, But even like, I mean, you never like, you never saw Marlon Brando, like, get it gain or lose weight for a role he ended up gaining weight as he went on but that right. wasn't like for a role he just did that like a lot of people do like a lot of great actors like right. gerard depardieu uh <laughs> um, orson wells you know yeah. great actors who uh became great actors uh, <laughs> nice <laughs> um uh so yeah like is it necessary is it is it vanity or some sort of like twisted vanity. Cause often it's, it's very pretty men and women, usually men. That's something else that came up is that yeah. like uh, we talk about men doing this more often, even though I think it, that's, that's kind of, it's kind of like counterintuitive. We, 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 we praise men more for gaining or losing a lot of weight, but the industry tends to expect women to be more in control of their weight sure. as, as, as professional actors, you, you know, um, uh, I know we talked somewhat recently on the podcast about the, um, the documentary searching for Deborah Winger, but, um, in that, in that documentary, Deborah Winger herself tells the story about like, um, while she was making an officer and a gentleman, uh, Don Simpson, um, who's dead now, um, mm-hmm. like coming to her trailer and trying to get her to take like these diuretic pills to like lose water weight when she's a, like, she wasn't a large woman, you know, no. uh, at, at all. She's still not, but, but that's like the industry's sort of obsession with women being, being, being thin. Um, there's, it's an everyday thing for, I think a lot of actresses. And that's when maybe that's why it suddenly seems a big deal when Christian Bale loses a bunch of weight. Yeah. I also think there's the possibility that, you know, th- there, there are other levels to Hollywood's reaction to like men losing weight or gaining weight and not to make it solely about weight or weight loss or muscle gain or whatever, but it, it often is that. Um, but also because and I'm, not, I'm sorry to cut you off for a second, for, but just to, to clarify, I'm differentiating from prosthetics based. Yes. You know, I'm not talking about like Steve Carell and Foxcatcher, you know, he had, he had a, he had a different I, face in, in yeah. that movie, but that's not what we're talking about. So anyway, sorry, go on. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, yes, I'm not talking about you know Gary Oldman uh, playing Churchill, right? Um, but uh, <clears throat> excuse me. But I do think that you know at, at its core, at its core, I could see Hollywood. Okay, I could see someone saying like, "Hey, uh, let's tell a story about this woman who's overweight," and Hollywood being like, "Gross! Why would we do that?" Whereas hey, there's this historical male figure who's overweight. And they're like, oh, cool. Uh, that's, yes, that's an important man. So I, I could actually see it being a situation. It's a, There are, again, multiple layers, but I could see Hollywood being like, well, if we're going to tell a story about where we have a, like a female lead or, or something like that, uh, well, they're, she's going to have to look good. Um, why, why, why would we ever, I mean, yes, we, maybe we'll do monster or something like that. And monster's uh, the, 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 the biggest example of a woman gaining yeah. weight for a role. That's a, yeah, uh, that's the, that's the, that's the biggest example. The other example that uh, I think we don't talk about because Bridget Jones is cute is Renee Zellweger for Bridget. Like she, every sure. time she played Bridget Jones, she, she gained weight for, for, for the role. Um, I was reading in my research, um, for the, for one, I don't remember which one of the, the movies it was like, she was working such long days and it was like a hot, wherever they were working. It was, it was hot that she like, couldn't keep on the weight. 
then she had to like for certain scenes even though she gained the weight they had to like pad her pants to make her and then in comes don simpson with a (laughs) uh you know a box of donuts yeah exactly (laughs) yeah Yeah. glad that guy's dead Uh, (laughs) we did a profile on him didn't we uh did we do a don don simpson profile i think we did just him yeah yeah uh may he rest in peace gone too soon yeah and so uh so yeah, um, the vast majority of of movies that we're going to be talking about are men, um, for various reasons. And but I do think that going on going on the idea that like Fargo was sort of this before you know before Fargo and after Fargo in regards to accents. I think Raging Bull is probably the before yeah. and after here. Yeah. Um, you know, so many people talked about because in the case of Raging Bull, it wasn't merely, oh, Robert De Niro got like really fat for older Jake LaMotta. It was all, that was after getting really in shape for I mean, he wasn't in bad shape, but he needed to be like, yeah, that's the really thing about in, Raging in Bull is you shape. can yeah. see you can see the difference on on screen. Yeah. Uh, the other the other main example like that would be Castaway, which like, yes, they literally they shot part of the movie, then Robert Zemeckis went off and made What Lies Beneath. Like, am I getting the timeline? I, that sounds right. right to me. Yeah. And while he was like shooting What Lies Beneath, Tom Hanks like stopped eating for a year yeah. or something uh, to do the 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 island parts. That's another one that's very noticeable. Yes, um, and and understandable uh, as well. Um, but yeah, and so I mean, just just from the standpoint of of weight, because as I was doing my my research, like most physical transformations are just like taking, you know, putting on weight or taking it off. There are a few other exceptions, okay. uh, which I'll get to in a moment, but uh, first, I guess we can just talk about weight. Um, it, well, I want to differentiate weight from muscle because that's sure, a big sure. thing. If you look at like with the Marvel movies, like people like Chris Pratt and Kumail Nanjiani yeah. are now like yeah. fucking ripped, which is so funny to me. Yeah. Uh, and did, did Chris Pratt, because obviously for the guardians movies, he had to look good, but I feel like zero dark 30 is when he, okay. At least wasn't quite, cause he, I mean, I don't, I don't consider, I'm sure Hollywood considered him fat on parks and rec. Uh, but I, I just think he's a little like pudgy. Um, and then yeah, I, if I recall movie, correctly, uh, what was the movie where Vince Vaughn was the sperm donor with like 500 kids or something? Do you remember that movie? Yes. I, I saw it. I reviewed it for the site. I can't remember what it was called. Is it, but that something, was, is it something man? Delivery man? Delivery man like sounds that? right. Yeah. Okay. So like Chris Pratt plays his like, I don't know. I can't remember if it's like friend or younger brother, but at that point, Chris Pratt was big enough that him being shirtless in a scene was fun. Okay. Like, All so right. he's like, a, a, like in that movie, he's like, he's a, a harried dad or whatever who like Vince Vaughn comes over and he's the guy who's just like walking around in his underwear. And like, that's funny. Whereas yeah. now like Chris Pratt walking around in his underwear is like a uh, beefcake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's something also that, announced uh, today, by the way, uh, to timestamp this, uh, Chris Pratt is voicing Mario in the super Mario brothers animated movie. And like people are upset, which weirdly like, it makes me sad to think that there are people out there for whom there are actors that they would have been happy. People are thinking enough about who should voice Mario that they're like, Oh, they didn't pick the actor I wanted to voice. Mario. Well, here's, here's I'm, I'm halfway to where you're talking about insofar as like, Oh, they cast a star and thus took away a role from, an experienced voice actor who probably would do way more with it. That goes, that's across the board. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, anytime, uh, you know, uh, look, I like Cameron Diaz a lot actually, but like, did she need to be in the Shrek movies? Like you've got professional, uh, I forgot she was (laughs) somebody like a Mike Myers. I get, Cause he's a, he's a comedy guy. He can do voices that I understand somebody even like a John Lithgow who has, a, a type of voice that could, that could really be over the top and stuff. But yeah, like and then you Chris, think about it, like, sorry, I'm thinking of like, um, uh, inside out was like Amy Poehler, right? She's yeah. like, I guess comedians are like good with their sure. voices. So I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that, but I don't know if we need, uh, this just famous person, you know, yeah. 
Johnny Depp as Rango or whatever. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And it's, and Chris Pratt, like, I mean, he's done voice work in the Lego movie and in Onward and he's good. He's fine. He, he does something with the characters, but we're, but for a character like Mario, who appears to be sort of as of a certain age is a bit of a stereotype. Uh, I understand maybe they're trying to undercut that, but Chris Pratt's voice is not what I would picture with that, especially when, again, you could, you could actually get somebody like a, a you know, any number of like Simpsons actors or, or, you know, some of the people that, that we have been on, on this show uh, and they would find a way to evoke the stereotype without ever fully going there and still actually managed to, to craft a character. That's again, assu- uh, assuming that the film would be written or a series would be written well in any, in any way. Um, yeah, and that's, uh, that's where I think I fought movie, yeah. I think, but yeah, it's, he's going to be a cool Mario, isn't he? He's going to be a cool. <sighs> again, yeah. but see, now I'm getting to the part where like, but who cares? It's sad yeah. that someone cares that <laughs> about the character of Mario. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, no, you're back at, to this goes back to uh the muscle. Yeah, no, uh putting on muscle and and taking it off uh is something that I find interesting. Um it's something that you'll definitely find it with with a lot of like a- athletic movies like Mark Wahlberg who's already a pretty a, you know, pretty big guy. For the fighter, there's, you know, he had to get a little bit more ripped same with um uh, Jake Gyllenhaal for Southpaw. Southpaw, uh, but, but then there's movie, a, unfortunately, I I didn't see it. Uh, I had heard it was not great. I'm always um, rooting for Antoine Fuqua. Sure, and I wish he'd been able to make the movie he wanted. You do know who Antoine Fuqua's choice for the role was? No, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. Uh, Eminem. Oh, that's right. He went at Eminem to play that. to play yeah. Southpaw. Uh, I don't remember the character's um, name. It's Southpaw. Um, <laughs> oh, I sure hope is, Southpaw wins. Yeah. But you know, uh, when you talk about athletic things that we actually do get to get back to, and we'll, we'll get back to weight gain and loss uh, on its own, but that's another way to get back to, to women. Because a lot of times one thing in my research that comes up over and over again is anytime anyone plays a ballerina, they have to like, Oh, of course. Be it in, uh, so Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis for black Swan and also Jennifer Lawrence for red sparrow. What is with, mm. yeah. What is with, uh, ballerina movies having like colors in the title and um, birds holy cow <laughs> is that intentional that. is red sparrow supposed to be a black swan reference i don't know i didn't see um, red sparrow and i oh, don't know uh, i didn't underrated. know it was a ballerina uh, i didn't know it was a ballerina uh thing. well no she starts as a ballerina i see at the beginning of the movie she suffers a horrifying mid-performance accident that leaves her unable to be a ballerina anymore seriously Ugh. it's like it was like a moment that made me like sort of clench up and rise up in my seat a little bit it's a very upsetting uh sounds moment rough. and then she gets sort of drafted into being uh uh doing some espionage work uh right once once that's once the ballerina career is off the table for her now okay. un- underrated movie but also okay. I kind of i also kind of understand why if like um uh i'm I'm often bad about remembering to do things like content warning or trigger warning but like i I will say if you don't want to see a movie with multiple sexual assaults don't see red sparrow because that's Mm. that's in there and to me to me that's it's not a movie that is using those as like cheap plot devices like right. like as as happened in a lot of movies i feel like the movie is very much about a woman who has been victimized and how how someone who has been victimized is seen even by the people who are on her side as like oh you're a victim now like it puts, it puts yeah. that person in a box i feel like that's very much what red sparrow is about so i feel like there's a responsibility to the way that they tackled the multiple sexual assaults but it's also still like be it's not the kind of movie you would think would be uh, teeming with them. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. I haven't seen Red Sparrow, but it actually sounds like the Black Widow movie. I was a fair amount to it. Oh, um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't, didn't know that. Uh, you also got a all time. I should have been nominated for a, a Bruce McGill Award. Mary Louise Parker in Red Sparrow as a uh, alcoholic American diplomat who's also a trader selling, selling American secrets and uh, is just drunkenly slurring the entire time. Awesome performance. <laughs> um, 
So uh, let's see. So looking at, at weight and muscle. Okay. So obviously the poster child is, I feel like I've used that term a couple of times today, but uh, for this is Christian Bale um, on two fronts. You've got the machinist and vice. He goes both ways. He goes both ways. Whatever you need, he'll get you there. Um, and, and you know what? And now that I think about the fighter, I think he probably lost some weight for that character as well, but not nearly as much like the machinist is like, it's, it's like uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. You know who else, um, uh, goes both ways. (laughs) Um, but people forget because the movie he gained all the weight for was like so forgotten, but, uh, Matthew McConaughey who lost a bunch of weight for Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. Gained a bunch of weight for gold. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Awful, I forgot that movie it. existed. Um, and yeah, at least you didn't lines, have to see it. I, that's true. I did not. Uh, and Jared Leto as well, who for Dallas Buyers Club lost some weight. And then for whatever that John... Uh, John What was the name of the his assassin? The, John Lennon's the, assassin. Um, Hinkley? Is, Is that, that right? Hinkley? I thought... I get him mixed up. Chapman, Mark David, Mark John something Chapman. Booth? That's him. That's him. <laughs> Leon um, Chogas. Oh, I don't know who that is. <laughs> oh, that's the one who shot McKinley. Oh, okay. Oh, Charlie Gitto. Now, which one is that? <laughs> that's it's the one who shot Mr. Garfield. Oh man, I gotta be. Uh, I, this is a weird bit of trivia. That oh, I mean, I know who's been shot. Yeah, there were. Uh, we've had four presidents who were assassinated. Yeah. And I and H- apparently Hinkley, know all of their, uh, their assassins names. <laughs> um, well, Lee Harvey Oswald, question mark in parentheses. What? Uh, um, no, don't buy conspiracy theories are for people who lack the mental fortitude to contend with the world as it actually is. So let's not, uh, get into <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald. I have no patience for conspiracy theories anymore. There was a time in the nineties when Mel Gibson could play a character and it was like, Oh, sure. this is, what a fun kook. But now like, <laughs> Oh, conspiracy theories are like seriously damaging like the yeah. world. Uh, let's, Let's try to let's try to deal with the facts. Lee Harvey Oswald shot Kennedy. Okay. Um, what well, you were saying something about Hinckley? Is that the one who tried to shoot or he shot it, Reagan? But he, he shot Reagan, but, yeah. but he didn't kill. Um, yes. But yeah, and Wait, so, there are, no. Oh, sorry. Before whatever that whatever topic, that whatever that terrible movie was. But before uh, we get back to the topic, four presidents assassinated. Yeah, Reagan was shot. Teddy Roosevelt was shot though before yes. he was president, right? Uh, or was he running for re-election? I don't remember. I, I, I mean, remember. it was a, it was it was a campaign uh, speech, but I don't know if it was re-election yeah. or yeah. I'm trying to think if there are other presidents who were shot and survived. That I'm am I missing any? Um. Oh well. You mean like while in office? Yeah, while while in office. Yeah, I don't know. George Washington probably took a bullet on the battlefield. Or I imagine I don't know about Ulysses that, Grant but... probably or, or Eisenhower <laughs> got a little something. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, I've, I've taken us. Okay. So the That's Mark David Chapman movie that uh, no yeah. one remembers the title of people only remember because Jared Leto gained weight in the least healthy way possible and got gout. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and you know what? Like, good. Good for him. I, I, not good for him. I'm saying I'm glad that it happened to him. Right. Um, uh, thought of another one who went both ways. Okay. Uh, Matt Damon. Very skinny and sure. under fire. Got a big old gut in the informant. That's right. And, and he's kind of in between with talented Mr. Ripley. Um, I was watching a, an interview. Uh, it was one of those YouTube videos where he's where like an actor goes through their various roles. And he talked about talented Mr. Ripley. And he said like a big part of it is like, well, you need to look like Jude law. And he's like, Oh, uh Oh, so like he would, <laughs> he like worked out a lot, not to be like huge, but to be like lean and, and wiry, um, not necessarily skinny, but, uh, but lean. And, uh, so yeah, he said that, uh, he just felt like, uh, uh resentful of how good dude law looked. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. And then, uh, there's a couple things that I find interesting. Um, I know that for Capote, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman lost weight and then put it back on on purpose because that's just like who he is like 
you would think that like, Hey, you lost that weight. Good for you're a bigger guy. You lost that weight. Good for you. Now it's not like, yeah. like Billy, Billy Bob Thornton, Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. Like you could keep it off. And he's like, nah, uh, I'm yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And so, um, uh, walking Phoenix is definitely not opposed to losing weight. Uh, he, I think he's very, he's very skinny in the master and maybe even skinnier in Joker. Yeah. He's um, very thin in, in, in the Joker. Um, and then as far so, and I know that uh, Vincent Zanofra had to put, was required to put on 75 pounds of weight for full metal jacket because he actually was not, I mean, we think of him as a bigger guy now, yeah. but he was not that big in, in 80s, you know, 86, 87. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think what is his, like, if he's, he's the reverse Billy Bob Thornton, that he stayed a bigger guy, whereas yeah. Billy Bob Thornton layers, like you can see him in, in sling blade or the apostle is like a, uh, tubbier guy. And then yeah. he lost all the weight for a single plan and, and has been thin ever since. I'm trying to think what are the, thin vincent d'onofrio rolls mystic pizza mystic pizza uh you know what and that's the thing is he did i think he did probably lose uh because he was never like a thin guy but uh he would he didn't stay as big as he was in full metal jacket like he was briefly in uh jfk and i think of him as a thinner guy in that um mr pizza is after that's uh, after after Full Metal Jacket, as is okay. Adventures in Babysitting. And I don't think of him as a big guy in that. So maybe he, he like dropped yeah. it all right away. Um, but yeah, and so, uh, and it's just, it's interesting to think because we, because, you know, he was big enough to get cast believably as the Kingpin in, uh, in the Daredevil series. Uh, to this day, my favorite Marvel villain, uh, beautifully written, wonderfully acted. I highly recommend Daredevil for a number of reasons, not the least of which, Vincent D'Onofrio's amazing work as Wilson Fisk. Anyway, um, but we think of him as a bigger guy now. And so it's odd to think there was a time when he had to put weight on. Like if you go and look at Full Metal Jacket, knowing who Vincent D'Onofrio is, you just think like, oh, they just cast, you know, overweight Vincent D'Onofrio. Um, but yeah, no, he, he, uh, had to alter, uh, his, his, uh, body. Um, so I have a few here that are not weight related. Okay. Well, I could, t- I'll tell you, I'll start with my one that I thought of as not weight related. Okay. And then I, but I want to hear yours. Um, I don't know if you have any tattoos on yours, but, uh, Shia LaBeouf got a full chest piece for the, the tax collector. <laughs> with did i call that the worst movie of 2020 i can't remember if that was was that you my might worst have movie? uh um, i know it was it was down there it was in the running he, uh, he, yeah that's that's like that's so strange to me when it's like i i i love the commitment of an actor treating every role the same mm-hmm. you know um so i'm all for it but it is like um uh really uh I don't know what the word, what the emotion is. I feel is when someone does that, goes through that for a movie uh, that everyone like either dislikes or forgets, you that, know, one or doesn't care about at all. Yeah. Two of the things that came up on when I was looking up examples of this, one that came up a lot is that 50 cent got super skinny for a movie called all things fall apart that I have no I, recollection I, of. I, yeah, um, I noticed that as well. And I didn't even bother writing it down. And then the movie, uh, I, cause who cares? Yeah. The movie I remember, even though I didn't see it, but I remember, do you remember Matthew Fox got insanely jacked and wiry to play the villain in Alex cross? Uh, I know that now because of this research I was doing, but I didn't see Alex cross. Neither did I, but I and remember so, seeing, well, I think that I'm going to guess that movie came out in 2007. If that's, does that sound 2007? right? Uh, I feel look. like it, I feel like it was later than that, but I might be wrong, but I do remember the terrible tagline, which was you don't cross Alex, Alex cross. Oh yeah. Like, oh, 2012. Okay. I don't know why I saw that trailer so many times then, but I saw the trailer for Alex cross multiple times. And, um, had like uh, it was like scarring to me to see matthew <laughs> fox oh yeah i wouldn't have been 2007 because that would have been mid lost this was right after lost right um but he's like he's terrifying looking in that movie hmm. well, you've seen the, you saw the pictures right i did yes yes yeah uh yeah he's definitely uh gets your attention because he's um, like his, it's not that, he, that just that he's like 
very muscly. I think he's also, he must be like insanely dehydrated to have the muscles and and the veins and everything stick out that much. So I was worried for his health. Yeah. It's you, you saw the film and you immediately uh, contacted his agent and be like, can you ask if he's, can you find out if he's okay for me? Cause I need to know. Um, Yeah. I don't have the tax collector on here, but I do have Shia LaBeouf on here for the movie fury uh, in which uh, apparently the, his care along with not showering for the duration of the film, which is infuriating on principle to hear about because there are other actors who may not be this method. Um, but uh, apparently his, his character like has scars on his face. And so he gave himself scars and kept like reopening them on his face. Uh, and so it's like, Oh, that actually can be permanent. And I think his character like lost a tooth or something. So he had a tooth pulled. And then after the shoot, uh, like had a, an artificial tooth put in and it's just like, man, what are you, what are you doing here? Like it, it's imagine what Lawrence Olivier would say to this, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But, uh, and then I know that um, I know that uh, Rooney Mara got a lot of uh, piercings for girl with the dragon tattoo. Okay. Uh, but those, was, which is those not goal, exactly those same, heal, but, right? Uh, I don't, know. Yeah, I don't yeah, have any, any, any piercings. I, yeah. My understanding is they heal. But either way, like she is at least for a moment altering right. her body. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing that I thought of, cause like, yeah, like there's not that much you can do outside of weight loss to like really alter your uh, physical appearance. And the other thing that I thought was like, Oh, well your hair. So I thought of alien three uh, in which yeah. Sigourney Weaver's, you know, it, it shaves her head. And I uh, thought of Natalie Portman in, in V for Vendetta. Also, um, um, GI Jane. Yeah. Jimmy Moore yeah. shaves her head. Yeah. That's, like, and, that's and I think the, that's something that's, it's a big deal when obviously when, when, when an actress it, does that, that's the opposite. It's like, um, you know, uh, Matthew Fox also shaved his head for Alice Cross. No one's like, yeah. can you believe? <laughs> like, no, but yeah, it's a, it's a big deal when, uh, when an actress shaves their head. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, so much so that like it, it plays into the marketing, you know, uh, like I remember, uh, commercials and, and trailers for alien three and for GI Jane and, and for V for Ven- for vendetta, like the fact of these characters shaving their head, like plays like footage of that plays into the trailer. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, so I think that's uh, let's see, looking at my list here. I mean, there's so I think that's all I've got. There's so and we could just do endless examples, which is what I didn't want to do. I guess what I really want to talk about is to what extent is all of this necessary? Obviously, um, uh, Shia cutting his face open is probably like a bridge too far. Like yeah. you didn't you didn't need to do that. Also, take a shower. Uh, um, uh, but, uh, cause I'll tell you what, and maybe this is just specific to this actor, but what actually got me thinking about this was the recent movie Mogul Mowgli with Riz Ahmed, Mm -hmm. where his character has this degenerative muscle disease and he's supposed to lose a lot of weight over the course of the movie. And I'm watching the movie and I'm thinking, I don't think Riz Ahmed really did lose a lot of weight. I think it was mostly done in costuming because Riz Ahmed is a trim guy to begin with. So all they have to do is like early in the movie, show him shirtless when he's all jacked. And then as the movie goes on, just put him in a series of like baggy hospital robes. Don't, don't, don't show his muscles, just show his like, you know, his prominent cheekbones and his skinny wrists or whatever. And he'll, he'll look like a, like a skinny guy. Like, uh, but maybe not every actor is resonant. So maybe you can't always do that, but there is a, I I always think there's a bit of vanity to this. I I can't, I didn't expect to talk about gold twice, but (laughs) the thing with gold, it's so like, I would watch the whole movie thinking like, this must be based on a, true story like he's trying to look at the guy no he just decided to look like tom cruise in tropic thunder (laughs) which is a prosthetic (laughs) performance he decided to actually make himself look like that because he just thought it was right for the role but it's just so showy um 
man, the, that the, the, the reconnaissance really like had a sweet spot and then just went too far, you know? Yeah. Trying to think the last thing he was in. I feel like I haven't seen much that he was in, including Dallas buyers club actually. Um, but well, that was, uh, um, many years ago. Yeah. That was eight years ago now. Um, but I feel like I haven't seen him in, in anything for a while. I remember liking mud. I thought he was pretty good in mud. Um, but even that was several years ago now. Oh yeah. Um, so, okay. Um, oh, I saw him in the gentleman. So yeah, that's the last thing I saw oh, him in. Didn't see him in the beach bum, which I had didn't see serenity, not the Joss Whedon serenity, but the one that the internet loves. Um, didn't see white boy, Rick didn't see the dark tower gold. Yeah. 2016. So hold on. We got to keep going until we find something that Tyler has yeah. seen. Yeah. Uh, did you see, he did a voice and sing and in nope. Kubo and the two strings. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. 20... I saw, I, I saw Kubo and the two strings. And also you saw free state of Jones, which is also 2016. So that, yes. The okay. last live action movie you saw him in would have been free state of Jones. Oh, that's unfortunate. Um, that is uh, not a movie I like, uh, Me either. but, um, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess it's vanity and it's also, and this is where, you know, I guess we're sort of analyzing people in a way, because one thing that I've talked about before that is purely me projecting um, is, and this is something that I've said about Sean Penn in his performances is that he, he just like, he's like sweat and blood in so many of his performances. And it's almost as though through just sheer effort, he's trying to convince us and himself that this profession is like legit, you know? Well, I think uh, we've been talking a lot more about gender issues than I thought we would have, but I do think part of it with some of these men mm-hmm. is this self-consciousness that acting is not a manly profession. Sure. And I think by doing something physical, they're making it like, this is hard work. I put in, I put in physical labor to, to do this. Yeah. It's like they're, they're calming a voice in their head that I don't think actually exists. And even if they put on weight, then the story is also, they're going to take it off, you right. know, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for the next role. Um, and yeah. And, and somebody like Jared Leto, who obviously was like a, a good looking guy. And that's what he was, what he was known for. Um, when you think of, of a lot of his roles, like he actively, whether through prosthetic or gaining weight or whatever it is, uh, seemed to be almost apologizing for his attractiveness. Um, and so, yeah, it is, uh, I forget somebody, uh, referenced, um, Colin Farrell when talking about Jeremy Renner, um, cause Jeremy Renner was nominated for, uh, a, an Oscar and mm-hmm. Colin Farrell was, was sort of giving an introduction. And he said like, Oh, we work together. And I think he called SWAT, uh, we, a, dan- a dandelion movie. Yeah. Um, we, we just talked about this, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, cause we were talking about, uh, Jeremy Renner as a debutante. Um, um also what, real quick, uh, friend of the show, Jake Bart, uh, did, um, tweet me after our accents episode, because we were trying to think of any examples where a non-Chicago actor attempted a Chicago accent. And, uh, apparently Colin Farrell in widows is doing a Chicago accent. It's been, I haven't seen it since I saw it at AFI fest. I don't really remember, but apparently he's doing the Chicago hmm. thing in that movie. which seems an odd choice because i don't recall robert duvall doing a chicago accent he's his right. father in the film yeah. uh, if anything his should be heavier but anyway um but uh but yeah so that that concept of, of colin farrell just referring to this movie is like oh, this dandelion movie okay which just suggests like it's light it, it serves no purpose who cares and i do wonder if a lot of these actors view as you mentioned uh, acting is like a, a da- it's a dandelion profession, <laughs> and if you're if you're like an attractive actor or like a pretty boy, like maybe even more so. So what can we do to prove to other people and to prove to ourselves that this is like genuinely hard? Uh, when I look at frankly the the shit that like uh, Shia LaBeouf puts himself through, it's weird. Like I. I the, I don't actually have that much admiration. I mean, it, on one hand, it's like, yeah. Hey, uh, I, th- that's pretty, I, I don't think I ever say, Hey, good for you. Like, I don't say that. I think she man like, c- come on, you know? Uh, 
and I, I'm somebody who thinks acting is a, is a valuable profession, but it's this idea. It's like, what, what just imagine this, just imagine the smell. All right. Yeah. You're, you're the Lawrence Olivier here. I am. And, and it is, you know, uh, it's granted. I have not, you know, I haven't done any kind of real acting in many, many years. And even then it's arguable if I did it at all, but, um, <laughs> I, but I definitely, good. thank you. But I, I definitely like once I discovered like the different theories of acting, I realized like, Oh, I guess I'm, I guess I'm Meisner uh, because that, that theory seemed to work more for me as opposed to just like, well, I just need to, I just need to change myself completely uh, even offset uh, or off camera. Um, and I need to, and it's just like, yeah, but then there's going to be a certain degree of artificiality to it. Like just feel free to draw on your own experiences and it'll probably be a little bit more realistic. And so I look at like what Shia LaBeouf is doing and I think he can be a very good actor, but I look at somebody who is like, well, I just, I needed to, like, I wanted to, to prepare myself uh, so that I, so that I uh, knew what it was, so I could feel what it was like. It's like, you, you're, I guess if that's your process, I don't necessarily want to judge, but at the same time, like you're a good enough actor that you, I guarantee you probably could imagine this, mm-hmm. you know, and going through like boot camp or something so that you can understand how to move in just the right way that I get that I'm fine. Yeah. With. I was going to um, get back to the um, playing an athletic role type thing uh, yeah. for two reasons. One, because I, I got so distracted talking about red sparrow that I forgot a couple other women I wanted to talk about, but also this, it makes more sense if it's like, uh, yeah, Hillary Swank has to get into boxing trim, the fighting yeah. trim for her million dollar baby. Cause she's actually going to be doing that. The other, um, example, but got a lot of press at the, at the time is, um, uh, Jennifer Lopez's stripper body in hustler. Sure. She like, she got in shape by really learning how to, how to like, you know, use a, a pole and, and, and do all the stripper moves and stuff, which is uh, apparently a fantastic workout, I guess. I know they have like stripper pole, like pole dancing class. They don't, they don't yeah. call it stripper. I don't think in the class, <laughs> but like pole dancing as a workout is like a, a real thing. And I think Jennifer Lopez yeah. could like, she probably sold a lot of pole dancing class memberships uh, in, in, in hustlers. Probably. And it's, I feel like Jen and I were, as we saw the film afterwards, it's just like, man, she's in really good shape, you know? And I'm try- not trying to say like in a, in a lustful way, more so that like, I know that like, it's, it's hard to get in that good of a shape when I think she's like in her fifties at this point, or at least yeah, she's, 40s. I think like, she's, I think she was 50 when she shot that movie. Yeah. Like that's, that's tough to do. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, 50. That's, that's Jody Foster, right. That did that in like oh. a weird speech. Uh, no, I'm 50 is, um, Molly Shannon character from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> That's a, right. a kick and a jump and a kick. I'm 50. <laughs> the brilliance of Mo- Molly Shannon is something I feel like people don't talk enough about yeah. uh, on SNL. Um, but yeah, no, it's that's the thing is like, I, I hope I don't come across as, as too judgmental of certain choices because obviously I don't judge. I don't judge uh, uh, Robert De Niro for like getting in like really amazing shape to play Jake LaMotta. Um, and I don't even necessarily, I don't think I even uh, judge him for, for gaining the weight because it is based on a real guy and he is a physical guy. And, and so like his physical state as he gets older uh, and, and lets himself go is something that we are meant to take notice of. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm okay with uh, certainly in the case of something like vice uh, Christian Bale putting on weight. Now, granted, part of me feels like why not just cast somebody of that body type? I'm sure there's any number of people that could do it well. Um, but that's just me. Um, and it's one of the reasons that this is a, a different thing. Cause uh, this gets into the concept of prosthetics. Uh it's one of the things that I, that I really like about uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character in, in Tropic Thunder and just who, like a lot of people talk about like, oh my gosh, he's in blackface. Like, okay, yes, he is. But you have to recognize what the, what's happening in this film, that the character is so vain uh, and Hollywood is just so, so eager to let him do whatever that it's just like, oh, I'll just play this 
this black character and I won't consider it problematic at all. And, and I'll just think like, look how amazing I am. And, uh, and I think that, I think that Tropic Thunder is parodying this kind of, of attitude. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I, do, I really do think Robert De Niro kicked it off every yeah. after since, uh, as Robert De Niro that became the to thing blame. That, like, that became the thing. Everyone said like, he put on so much weight for raging, but like, it was that, like, that's the thing yeah. that people kind of remembered. And it's, it, I don't think that's why he won that Oscar, but I'm sure it played into it. Cause like, Oh right. my gosh, look, look at how committed he is. Yeah. Unlike Cesar Romero, who wouldn't even shave his mustache. <laughs> he wouldn't go so far as to shave his mustache. Yeah. Uh, that used to be okay. Now it's that not. used to be okay. And I'm, I'm okay with it. I like, Me too. Oh, can you imagine, can you imagine if Cesar Romero and Shia LaBeouf talked? Uh, <laughs> and he's like, he goes, well, I just want to imagine what it was like. And it's just like, I can imagine what it's like to not have a mustache. And you know what? I don't like it. This Joker guy's crazy um, to not have a mustache. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So, and I'm sure there are no, there, as always, there are other examples that we're, that we're not mentioning. Um, but uh, listeners, you're welcome to, to weigh in uh, with, with anything that we might have, uh, have overlooked. And at some point, I think it wouldn't hurt to, to do an episode about prosthetics and, and okay. what they add or sometimes in my opinion detract from a performance we, we could do a whole episode just on noses we sure could a lot of orson wells a lot of orson wells a lot Dan of alcanus alcanus yeah nicole kidman nicole kidman Gerard wait when did he use a oh cyrano yeah and yeah. so jose ferrer by extension as well i forgot about that and i guess steve martin in roxanne that's right I feel bad now. I wasn't trying to say Gerard Depardieu's. I, like I realized, like if you if you didn't know, yeah, you think oh, you're just saying he has a funny bulbous nose, yeah, which he does. Uh, yeah, you know. he that, that guy's got he's got piles of money. I'm okay yeah. making fun he's of gonna his, be all right. His nose a little bit. All right. Um, well, this was a fun, pretty light episode sure. in which uh, I talk some shit. Yeah, I guess. Um, you can find you're, like I said, you're not doing it on Twitter. You got to do it somewhere. Dave. This is what, yeah. For the non-patrons, this is something I said on the, on the most recent, I'm trying to figure out the release schedule in my head. Yeah. on the most recent Patreon, uh, I said, I'm trying not to be negative on Twitter. So look for me to be more negative on the podcast. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Davey pretension. You can, um, find uh us at battleship there's movie reviews and stuff like that there you can email us at david at battleship com or tyler at battleship um this week we i did uh on uh how I, the one where i met your mother is a podcast that my wife and i do in which we are watching uh at the same pace an episode of how i met your mother and the episode an episode of friends uh every every week um this th this past week uh we met ursula also played oh. by lisa kudra we met phoebe buffet's twin sister ursula buffet um and uh and and had some some fun with that also uh on how i met your mother allison hannigan sits on a cake that's a funny sitcom -y thing that <laughs> happens in that episode um <laughs> not a top-notch episode of how i met your mother but she does sit in a cake and the next week she puts too much detergent in the washing machine. Watch out. <laughs> yeah. So listen to us, uh, uh, talk about those episodes. We don't just recount the things that happen in the episodes, by the way, uh, right. there's more to the podcast, uh, than, than that. So check it out at the one at, uh, at battleship pretension. Uh, you can follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler pretension. Tyler, do you have anything you would like to plug? Sadly, I don't. My, uh, but I will say that be on the lookout for my new documentary, Valley of the Shadow, the uh, spiritual value of horror. I had to remember the the second title. Wait, did I know that title? Oh, I don't maybe think not. I did. Yeah, maybe I didn't put a. Yeah, it's called Valley of the Shadow, the Valley spiritual of the value of horror. Um, I like that. And title. Uh, the as far as I can tell, the the release uh, or the distribution. Uh, model that we're doing is different than I did with faith life. 
where uh, it will become available for people to actually just rent on their own without subscribing to the the streaming service uh, Rediscover Television. So uh, I will update people as that as that happens. It should be probably within the next month or so. All right, very exciting. Um, yeah. Other than that, thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 